When we're searching for somebody else's approval, all we're going to get is non-approval. It'll never come. This is The Playbook. Yeah, Dean, let's actually start with a question on TikTok first. So the, the, the question, while people are joining here on Clubhouse, the question from TikTok is, who's the most underrated coach of all time? <laughs> we might as well start with a football question. So I'm going to talk about the most underrated NFL coach, and it'd have to be Bobby Ross, in my opinion. Bobby Ross, and the reason he's so underrated is he took Georgia Tech, an unranked team in the 90s. He took them to the national championship and then took the San Diego Chargers, who were supposed to come in last place, took them to the not only AFC championship, but to the Super Bowl with a, a quarterback that nobody knew, Stan Humphrey. So, you know, I think most of you probably don't even know who he is. And here, as we get closer to the Super Bowl, give some shout outs to Bobby Ross. He's an incredible, underrated coach. But who's coming up next? I'll take a question online, Jake. Who do we got coming up? Let's go with the, oh, yes, the one and only Forbes Riley. Forbes, if you can please unmute yourself, welcome to the clubhouse. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Dave Meltzer, the one and only. <laughs> How are you? Isn't it fun when your friends help support you? I just heard your voice and just love you, man. So most people, my dad included, they work to retire. And that whole generation, they would go to work every day, something they hated, couldn't wait to retire. And sadly, most people retired, they died, right? So I look at you and entrepreneurs, you could have retired 15 times because you have all the money. So that's not the game you play. Why do you get out of bed every day? Why do you work so hard? I'm looking at your social media and I see you all over the world. So, I mean, I know my personal answer, but why do you keep doing what you do? That's such a great question. So I don't believe in retiring. I tried it out in my 30s and my attention and intention went to things uh, that were not productive in my life, that weren't purposeful, passionate, or profitable. And so what I decided was there would be no retirement in my journey, that there would only be repurposing. And repurposing is number one, putting the thoughts about purpose on my purpose and then determining and allowing my purpose to reveal itself. It's a revelation purpose to me. And I give meaning to that purpose every day through daily practices. But the lenses of purpose are different than the lenses of attaching my emotions to an outcome of retirement, meaning that the lenses that I use for repurposement are one, productivity. So to be purposeful in my activities, I want to provide as much value as I can. I want to appreciate my life the best that I can. And appreciation is adding value. I also, as you know, and, and you are the same way, apparent by you're the only one stepping up to ask a question first, which is always the hardest question, but you also don't need to have activity you get paid for in your life but you have such purpose, but you also have accessibility. And I strive with the second lens of my life beyond appreciation and purpose and in productivity is accessibility. I wanna be accessible to as many people as I can to share my purpose. And then I also, and this is a later aspect of accessibility for me, I wanna access what I want. You know, I, my purpose is to receive as much as I can so I have more to give away and be accessible to many to give that away, but accessibility is a duality and I have learned to receive. I've learned to love myself, I've learned to receive, and still with the purpose of appreciation, the more value I have, the more value I can give. And then finally, in this purposeful journey, this repurpose, not retirement, is a lens of gratitude. And 
I love gratitude because through all my studies of physics, metaphysics, and quantum physics, through all my relationship capital of the extraordinary people like Forbes Riley, Deepak Chopra, Sadhguru, Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, and the list goes on and on. With anyone that I've met that is a happy person, anyone that I've met that is happy, tall, short, small, large, any religion, poor, rich, anyone that I've met, the only common denominator of happiness is that lens of gratitude, the ability to say and appreciate things, to find the light, the love, and the lesson. So in order to repurpose at all times, not retire, not attaching your emotions to an outcome, but attaching your emotions to the daily activity, the activity you get paid for, activity you don't get paid for, the activity called sleep, the activity you have planned, the activity you don't have planned. In order to do so, we have to utilize these lenses of repurposement, the lenses of gratitude, productivity, and accessibility. And that's what not only inspires me, but motivates me to get up every day, get back up, get started and get back started and not worrying about the passion, profit and purpose, but actually focusing in on simply the lenses of productivity, accessibility and gratitude, which provides the passion purpose. I love to be a profit center, not a profit. And I think too many people, especially we were talking about social media in the, in the last group, you know, there's too many people that are trying to be profits. Why not try to be a profit center, provide value to others? I'm here in uh, Georgia with John Maxwell, uh, one of my old mentors, an extremely smart man, uh, Jesse Itzler, one of the newer minds on the street, but both talk about this idea of purpose and value. Everybody find your repurpose every day and you'll never worry about retiring. I hope you never retire, my friend. And thank you so much for helping me and starting us off with such a great question. All right, I'll take a question online, Jake. Let's see if somebody else is uh, brave enough to ask an important question. It's only as good as the questions that we get. Let me see here. What can someone do to gain respect from their colleagues? First of all, we don't do things for what other people think what's missing or what we don't want. And when we're searching for somebody else's approval, all we're going to get is non-approval. It'll never come. And so what we want to do is gain respect for ourselves and then allow that frequency, allow that activity to attract those people who are aligned with synergistic or supplementary to the activity that they respect. But when we go searching for love or searching for people to like us or searching for respect, we end up getting what's missing, what we don't want or what other people want for us. And so you need to thine own self be true. You need to find your own frequency. You need to love yourself and respect yourself. And in order to do that, number one, you have to be grateful. You have to be able to find the light, the love and the lessons in every situation, determine whether or not it's worth your time because the only stagnant constant that we have is we're given 24 hours a day in order to effectuate the activity that we're given during that day. And is it worth our time to find the light, the love and lessons? And then two, we have to utilize gratitude because if we're consistent and persistent in the pursuit of our potential, we're expanding, growing, living in the learning zone. They don't call it the learning zone for nothing. That means you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have pain, setbacks, failures and mistakes that indicate you got a better place to be, a better position to be in that's gonna expand the learning zone into a comfort zone, take away your anxiety zone, make that your new learning zone, and then create a whole new expansive realm that would put you into anxiety. But you only do that through the understanding of gratitude and forgiveness, because if you're gonna make mistakes, you gotta be able to forgive yourself 
and others for making mistakes because they're learning just like you. They're living in the right zone, the learning zone. And then, of course, the fourth thing that we have, to, the third thing we have to look at is accounting, you know, especially for me, legally educated as a lawyer, I grew up in a world of liability, right? Who do we blame? What shame do we put on them? And how do we justify it? But instead, in order to effectuate this respect for ourselves, love for ourselves, we have to be accountable for ourselves. We have to go beyond liability, which we can utilize in our day-to-day -day resolutions of getting car accidents and mistakes and lawsuits, et cetera. But bigger than liability is accountability. And there's only two questions to ask in accountability. One, what did I do to attract this to myself? Learning to love and respect myself for it. And most importantly, once again, what did I learn from it? What did I do to attract this to myself? And two, what did I learn from it? And if we can work within the context of loving ourselves, respecting ourselves so that we could give love and respect to others and attract those people that love and respect those qualities or frequency uh, that we have, then we can live in inspiration. We can live in spirit. We can live connected to and through each other, knowing that we're connected to and through the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, knowing that that omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source loves us as much as we love ourselves or even as much as our mom loves us or we love our own child. So make sure that you gain respect of others, colleagues, associates, family people by learning to love you and respect yourself. All right, Jake, do we have another brave soul that's willing to ask a question on Clubhouse? We sure do. We got Raul who wants to come ask a question here on Clubhouse. Raul, welcome to the, uh, to the room. If you can please unmute yourself. My question is from the talk shows you've done with like different guests. I'm actually working on, I have a podcast I do on a radio station called Rocket 70 and Dash Radio. So I just was wondering how, how you've been able to reach out to so many guests and you've been, how, how you've been able to re get them on your show. So just a little backstory and, and what would you say, like if you were to go back and fix something like how to improve your questions or how you interact with the guests or what you're currently doing and what makes the guests come to your show. show. So that, that's my question, but I'd love to, love to hear it. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, when, when I had, like you, I had a radio show, Angels Radio, with a famous Yankee baseball player, an angel baseball player. And my objective uh, was to get a guest that will enjoy being on the show. So my objective was always to ask questions that no one had ever asked them before or for them to leave and say, really enjoyed that. Because understanding how people's opinion, but more importantly, their PR works, whether it's internal or external, is that a PR person is always looking for good shows. And a good show may or may not be one that has a huge following. It may or may not be one that's distributed as my show is today on TV, on radio, on, you know, all these different channels, everywhere it is, airports. But my objective was simply uh, to ask questions that nobody had asked and for them to enjoy their experience so that they would go back to their company and thank them for being on my show or to their PR agent and thank them for being on their show. 
in other words, bring value to the person who set it up as well as the people that were there. And if I could do that, then the people that would come on their show would invite people who are in similar circles and tell them how enjoyable the show was or how interesting the questions were, or whatever it may be. And I built you know, this platform that has exponentially aggregated itself, listening for what they're listening for and practicing. You know, I do more interviews than anyone. And I practice still today to be an articulate, as uh, Craig Siegel calls me, ag alligator. I like to really do my research. I like to ask the questions that no one's asked before that I'm curious about, or I feel my community would be curious about. But the most important aspect of growing the show is making sure that your guest enjoys it. And so if you can have your guest enjoy your show, they will not only thank the people who set it up for them, but also tell their circles or spheres of influence that they need to go on your show. And I will tell you, we get hundreds of requests and I would never have imagined years ago when I started, you know, the different shows that I had that I would never have to ask anyone to be on it, but yet there'd be such interest. And it's simply that I make my main objective or purpose of the show is for the person coming on to enjoy it. And you can do the same. Find your favorites. Remember this about every show. 10% of the people, no matter what, will love it. 10% of the people, no matter what, will hate it. It's the 80% through consistent, persistent posting and production that you eventually will sway over to enjoy it and it will grow exponentially. Thank you, Raul. If you need any help, if you ever want to be a guest on my show or want me to be, you know, I have my 520 rule, but I always make myself accessible to help other people to cannibalize my audience or to share a different audience with your audience. I appreciate that and appreciate you. Keep it up. Really appreciate it. Yeah, th thanks so much. And if you have time, I just had a quick follow-up if that works. Sure. Yeah. So actually, from your businesses that you have, I guess, what is one piece of um, advice you would give to, you say, young to start their business and like get it up and running so that way it succeeds sure. and so that, yeah, and like in terms of turning, say, a hobby into a, like a full-time passion. So yeah, that's the question, yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, full-time passion can be a hobby as well. It's just the difference of monetizing it or not. So my best piece of advice, I just turned 54 years old. So I put it into the context of whether I'm 14, 24, 34, 44, or I recently turned 54, I give myself the same piece of advice, which is ask for help. You know, it is so important to find someone that sits in the situation that you want to be in and ask them for help. Make somebody feel good make an investment in someone by asking them for help and allow them to make the investment in you. Allow you to be an investment of many by asking many for help and ask big and ask often. The best thing that we can do is ask other people for help, especially if we're starting a business. Ask those people who sit in the situation that we want to be in for help because not only will they relieve you of the dummy tax that they've paid, but they will open up the spheres of influence that have allowed them, the relationship capital that have allowed them to accelerate the growth, to accelerate the success, to accelerate the positioning that they're in and allowing you to yourself achieve what you want in a faster and more statistically successful way. The best piece of advice is 
if you know what you want with that business, whether it's a passion or a hobby, or if it's actually a monetizable event already, an activity you get paid for, the best thing that you can do is ask somebody for help. Find somebody that sits in the situation that you want to be in and leverage their dummy tax, leverage their relationship capital so that you will get there even quicker with more statistical success.